Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. back to Roadcase, everybody. This is your host, Josh Rosenberg. I am so psyched to be here for this really special episode with Peter One. Just an amazing story from Peter, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, really glad that you're here. If you're a returning listener to Roadcase, welcome back to the show. If you are a first-time listener, welcome to Roadcase. So happy to have you along for this one. And as I like to do before we get into the interview and episode portion of this show, I want to remind everybody that Roadcase really depends on the support of all you listeners and a really great way to support Roadcase and to stay in touch with the Roadcase community is to subscribe to us on social media. Give us a follow. We're at Roadcase Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, if you'd like more information about the show, you can visit our website. We're at www.roadcasepod.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, I'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email at info at roadcasepod.com. Another quick and easy way to support this show and really do rely on the support of you amazing listeners to just, you know, if you like what you hear, if you like Roadcase, if you're a frequent listener, uh, subscribe to Roadcase on your favorite listening platform. So if you're on Spotify, you go to the Roadcase homepage, you see that box that says follow. Just It's as easy as clicking on that. If you're on Apple Podcasts, another popular streaming platform, there's a check mark up in the upper right-hand corner. Click on that. Doing so on those two platforms and other platforms will allow you to receive live up updates as to when new episodes come into the world. Uh, another great way to support Roadcase is to rate and review us on your favorite listening platform. If you're on Spotify, again, just under that follow box I mentioned before, there's a box with a little couple stars. Just as easy as clicking on that really helps out Roadcase to continue to get reviews and stars and ratings like that. Uh, on Apple Podcasts, go to the Roadcase homepage where you are if you're listening on that platform. Scroll up a little bit, you'll see some stars and a place to write a review. If you can do both of those things, it really helps out the show. So I'm really psyched to have Peter One on the show for this amazing interview with a super intriguing artist who's really lived his life in uh, two separate worlds, two separate ways, kind of like an act one and act two, if you will. And we talk about that a little bit. Uh, I give a nice little uh, brief intro during the beginning part of this interview, but I'll give you a couple details here. Um, Peter grew up in a small town in Ivory Coast, not far from the Ivory Coast administrative and economic capital of Abidjan. And from there, his story truly begins. He picked up the guitar at 17 and gained notoriety in his country. His initial album was released in 1985 in Ivory Coast. It's entitled Our Garden Needs Its Flowers uh, with his part musical partner, Jess Sabi. Uh, and 
With some twists and turns along the way, Peter really gained traction in his own country, became extremely popular there, uh, played at stadiums, and even played for the president of his country several times. Uh, he came to New York, uh, came to the United States, New York initially in the mid-90s, and began work here in this country as a nurse, uh, but keeping his musical dreams and talents mostly to himself. Uh, then he finally moved to Nashville in 2013, and continued to pursue his own musical ambitions while still working as a nurse there. In 2018, the aforementioned 1985 album Our Garden Needs Its Flowers was re-released thanks to a small record label called Awesome, awesome Tapes from Africa, and Peter was once again offered a new beginning and a second act. This is an amazing story of patience, determination and a firm belief in oneself and what you have to offer. Peter's latest album, Come Back to Me, uh, released on Verve Records just last month, has brought him even closer to realizing his long-standing dreams. And they, to a great extent, have been realized, although Peter's not done yet. Um, but he has played at the Grand Old Opry now and was op and open for Jason Isbell at the Ryman Auditorium. He's also playing Newport Folk this summer along with several other festivals. Jason Isbell who frequently has acts open for him and is very generous with his time in that regard, had a lot of great things to say about Peter, one of which when he said, you'll feel like you're seeing someone who is a legendary singer, and that's really high praise coming from Jason Isbell. Uh, this is truly, as I talk about frequently during this interview, it's a second chance and even a second act. And Peter one is loving it. I can't wait for you all to learn more about Peter's amazing story, uh, both in Ivory Coast and coming to America. Uh, like I said, it's a real story of determination and perseverance and also an immigrant story as well. Truly interesting and intriguing story. So glad you're here and along for this ride and this episode. It's really a really great one. Thanks to you all for being here. And I want to send a special thank you to Peter One for being here on this episode of Roadcase. And here we go. Peter, such a such a pleasure to have you on Roadcase, man. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Oh, great, great. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. Um, where are you located? Are you in Are you in Nashville currently? Where are you? Yes, I'm in Nashville right now, Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee, yes. And uh, such an amazing story that you have, Peter. And um, I just want to say I, I love what you do. I, I, I so love your story. And as I was just telling you before we got started, you know, I'm approach. I'm in my 60th trip around the sun and, uh, you know, I'm currently 59, but at the end of this year, I turned 60. That's kind of a big year. You know, I, I, I always think a lot about age and not only from a, a, a musical and political and cultural aspect, did I really enjoy learning about your story. And I was like, immediately, I was like, I want to, I want to have you on the show and talk to you. But um, let's talk about uh, just the whole thing about second chances. Like, let's just jump forward. I want to talk about your background and um, your uh, experience in Ivory Coast. It's kind of like your story, sort of like a two part story, but I know there's a lot in the middle there when you first came to the United States and even just prior to that. But 
now that you've had you you sort of been on that road and had some time to digest what's going on let's let's talk about second chances i mean do you feel like this is a second chance for you or kind of i know this is a really broad question but is this a continuation of where you've always been in your head i would say it's both it's both but it's more second chance mhm it's more a second chance in in the sense that um um the deal i have now is uh with a major label yeah with verve yeah the management team that has been taking care of my of me right now is great i didn't have these two settings before oh yeah uh-huh yeah i didn't have these before you know so this is a really a second chance but it's second second chance that comes with the the continuation of something that i started a long time ago yeah never stopped you know working in music even yeah. though i wasn't out there playing music those 20 some past years right I was working music in my studio and home I was writing songs you know hoping that one day one day i will have my music out there and yeah uh, people giving me that second chance yeah yeah but well uh, obviously second chance implies that there was a first act as well i mean let's not maybe chance maybe second act is almost better where there there was a there was a first act exactly. and yeah and you've 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 you're a musician you've been a musician it's been a creative process for you for so long and it's 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 truly it it warms my heart and i know it warms others hearts but you came from ivory coast um you grew up in Côte d'Ivoire I I je parle un peu de français but not a lot <laughs> um th- you know fortunately we're not going to conduct this in French but um mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and um the town Abidjan do I pronounce that correctly Got it right mm-hmm. Yeah yeah which is kind of the administrative capital of Ivory Coast um tell me about So tell me about how you grew up there and what your what your experiences were there from not only a musical perspective but just from a from a personal perspective. Okay, I was born in the suburb of Abidjan in a small town called Bonoa. Mhm. Like, uh, like a 45 minute drive from Abidjan. Okay. And uh that's where I grew up, went to school and, and then I went to high school. It's only when I got to college that I went to Abidjan City, you know. Okay. Yeah. So I'm uh, you know, a country boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that a typical that's kind of sounds like a typical experience from that region like the the universities are in the town and people come to the towns a lot to go to university. Exactly. And at that yeah. time the only university in the country was in Abidjan. So oh, that okay. As I could go. <laughs> uh uh-huh. You know. Was it free to go to the university or were there entrance exams or what did that look like kind of I'm really interested in that. Yeah, it was free once you passed the what we call the baccalaureate. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Which is like uh, you know high school, you know end of high school diploma here, you know, once you right. pass that you, you get um you you have the possibility to get registered at the university and mm-hmm. uh, you, at that time we even get a scholarship, you know. We get a scholarship Oh okay. Uh, yeah. Is that what you got? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. What you study? I wouldn't be able to finish my studies because I'm from a very modest family. Sure, sure. What you study? I studied history and geography. 
Mm-hmm. Quite a bit of that there being a, a French, former French colony, Côte d'Ivoire? Exactly, yes. So I ended up being a teacher, history and geography teacher in high school. Oh, oh, that's what you did early on, was you were a teacher in high school. You, did you go back to your own hometown? Oh, yeah. I go down. <laughs> well, no, I mean, go yeah. back to your hometown to teach. Where did you teach? Oh, no, I did teach in um, other, other places, um, other uh, small towns. Mm-hmm. The first, my first assignment was like um, 600 miles away from Abidjan. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I did teach in, from that place, I went to another place uh, that's a little bit closer to Abidjan. Mm-hmm. So overall, I spent five years away from Abidjan teaching. Yeah. Then I came back to Abidjan. Mm-hmm. Where I stayed for 10 years as a teacher. You know? Ah, okay. I was so that was like second, 70s time frame. 15, 15 total. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Teaching. Yeah. I was I was on the second town, the second town when we released our album in 1985. Okay. Okay. Um, and how old were you then? When you were in that was nineteen eighty five, so you were I don't know, you're like seven years. Twenty eight. You were thirty eight. Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Okay, and that was with your partner Jess Saab B. Exactly. Right, yeah. right. That you released that initial album from. But from a from a, a a musical development standpoint, as a kid, I I understand you were you were listening to some American pop and folk and country in addition to traditional African or French music, French influenced music. Um, what did your kind of musical upbringing look like? Um, we had a variety of music. Of course, a lot of African music. Mm-hmm. Diverse. Diverse African music from sure. everywhere, and a lot, a lot, a lot of African music from the Western countries, U.S., yeah. England. You know, uh huh. Yeah. Who were, and, who were some? Who were some? Sorry. Yeah, and uh, those music from Western countries were largely dominated by pop music, mm-hmm. know, pop, uh, funk music. Later, funk came later. But pop, rhythm, and blues, you know, yeah, and uh, funk later, you know, yeah, and yeah. Who, who, how did you get access to this? Were there record stores? I understand there was like one radio station when you grew up, where where you were, or something like that. How'd you hear the music, and what was your access to it? Yeah, until the the early until the early nineteen ninety. We had only one radio station in the Ivory Coast, the national radio station. Right. One, wow. only one TV station, television uh-huh. station, uh-huh. national TV station. Wow. On 19, until 1980, uh, 91 or 92. You know? mm-hmm. So if you don't have a, a turntable, you know, at home, yeah. Or cassette player. The cassette, even the cassette player came, I think, um, late, late 80s, in the late mm-hmm. 80s. Mm-hmm. Before that, either you have, a, you know, a turntable for the vinyls or you listen through the radio. Yeah. And 
was listening to the radio because we didn't have a ten timetable. Then how how often did the radio like play a song that you liked? I mean, if there's one radio station in the country and there's a um, even you know a questionable political atmosphere, a political atmosphere that we're playing, you know, either propaganda or some you know etc. How often did they play a song? It could not have been very often. Yeah, yeah, we we the radio was playing a lot of music, a lot of music. Because um, beside the music, uh, times for the news, times for you know cultural things. But yeah. The rest of the time it was music from different on different shows. You know? Right. Okay. Yeah, a lot of a lot of music, a lot of yeah. different music. Right. But like I said it was mostly dominated by you know Western Western music. Yeah. Where were you getting the cassettes and albums? The cassette the cassette came later. In the in the late eighties, mm-hmm. we started having the, the no in the early early late eighties early eighties, mm-hmm. and the CDs late eighties. That's why we started having the cassette, and um, we have um, you know the stores, music stores, right? Music stores that, that sell all these. And as a matter of fact, we had a <clears throat> music store that started selling vinyls first you know uh-huh selling vinyls the small vinyls and, and then i assume and, and and someone was selling turntables as well somewhere right i mean the two go together <laughs> yeah 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 so okay uh, along the timeline you know i'm trying to do like math in my head and you've done all this math so you can correct me as we go along <laughs> but um so i understand you picked up the guitar in your teens I was I was around seventeen when I started learning guitar. Right, and influenced by folk and country. So you're playing guitar, and was there a time when you thought? But well, all right. So fast forward with your your association with Jess and um, your the initial album in '85, "Our Garden Needs Its Flowers," which was reissued in 2018, and we're going to get to that. Um, you. Tell, tell me about how you met Jess and, you know, clearly you'd been playing guitar for quite a while. What had you played in, had you, did you have the idea of performing at that point or, you know, how long had you been playing when you realized like you, I could, I could do something with this and this is, this could be, this is something that I, that, that is really um, inside of me that I want to express. Okay. Um, I would say until until we record our first album, nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, I was just doing music for fun. Yeah, I never thought about you know career in music, you know, being a star all that. Right. I started. You were a, te- you were a teacher because you moved and you were a teacher and you were a student. So it was like, oh, here's my guitar. I'm a student. It's a good way exactly. to like you. You were the guy at the parties and with the guitar. I I, I presume. Exactly. Yeah, we're doing that for fun, for yeah. friends, you know, all, you yeah, know, for yeah. the girls. <laughs> yeah, right. That always works. That's just an international yeah. phenomenon, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I started. I started learning guitar around um, when I was seventeen, and um, I met I met Jess when I was in college. You know, mm-hmm. I met Jess in college because um, okay when I was learning guitar and playing with friends. We used to play a lot of African music 
and of course the the, the classics you know yeah. western music you know the mm-hmm. classics the beaters from um, the American, you know, singers, all that. <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel. I know you mentioned somewhere along the lines no, that you no, admired. No? No, 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 no. We didn't play Simon Garfunkel. No, not at all. Oh. No. We're playing things like uh, Let It Be. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let It Be. Hey Joe from Jimi Hendrix. These are the classic. Hey Jude yeah. from the Beatles. No, yeah. Things like that. Right. And uh, other pop songs, you know, other pop songs from American singers. But the country and folk were not on the, you know, on the, were not at all uh-huh, on yeah. the table. Ah, okay. I learned that through the radio. I was interested. And so I was working on this, this kind of music when I was by myself. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, because... Uh, my friends, they were more interested in, you know, those music that everybody knows that everybody want to hear. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, interesting. So like the country and folk and Simon and Garfunkel, CSNY and stuff, that was sort of a little bit more underground. That was your, inter- that was your base interest. But if you were going to play for a group of people, you were going to play Beatles and you were going to play some like Hendrix. Yeah, those, those classic then, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. You got to do what the audience wants, even when you're in, uh, at the university. Yeah, but the audience, <laughs> audience, I can't talk about audience. When you meet with friends, we don't have special audience. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, it was, a, it was a term. It was a term, you know, okay, your friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were right. playing in front of other people. <laughs> that came later, though. Um, but so with Jess, like, what, tell, tell me a little bit about the, how this, this initial album came about and what, what was that? What did that process look like for you? That's quite a jump from playing in front of friends to creating an album, which then became extremely popular and you're playing in front of stadiums there. Yeah. So when we started, Jess and I, we met on a friend of, I mean, uh, a fellow student Mm. was uh, sharing the same building. I mean, he was my neighbor, my next door neighbor. Yeah. On the campus, he's the one who connected me with Jess because he's mm-hmm. our, he's our, Jess's nephew. Oh, okay. Yeah, he he was listening to what I was doing, and and he one day approached me. He said, "Okay, you I've been listening to what you're doing. I know somebody who would be interested. It's my uncle. He does some music classes that is close to what you're doing. I'll have you guys uh, then uh, see what you can do." So hmm. he had just come to to my place, right? And we started we started playing. Just had he had songs, his own songs already, and mm-hmm. I, I had mine also that I was writing. So we started working on these songs, not yeah. on the, not covering other music. Yeah, <laughs> for, know, yeah, right. So it was really interesting, and we found it you know interesting. From there, we started having you know radio shows, television shows. We did that for quite a while. Yeah. We st- actually, we started, we started working together in 1979. Okay. So you were already playing and, pre- you were playing and performing and getting some traction from a popularity standpoint, be that as it may, before you produced the actual album. Exactly. Through, uh-huh. through the radio, through the, uh, TV shows, uh, radio shows. Yeah. But right. no, no, 
No shows before the audience, you know, shows out outside. We had only one show, only one show, as far as I remember, only one show outside, outside the radio or the t- television. That was in Boaké. In Boaké, I think it was um, 1983 or 84. Yeah. It happened during Easter break. Okay. Yeah, one of the artists in Ivory Coast, she was even here in New York. She spent a lot of time here in New York. And yeah. she just, she came, she went back home two years ago and she passed because she was old now. Mm. She was very famous at that time in the Ivory Coast. She was booked for a whole week mm-hmm. at town. Boaké is the second biggest town in, in the Ivory Coast. Okay. So yeah, she, she was booked for a whole week there. For, for because she, she's a choreographer, she's a dancer, right. she has a big band of dancers, all that. So yeah, she yeah. was booked for the whole week there. So she approached us, she wants us to come play music, you know, to make it a little bit, you know, sound music, not just dance, dance, dance. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're, yeah. Opening, yeah, we're right. opening for that every, every night. We did that ah. for three nights. Ah, yeah. okay, during spring break in 83 or whatever that was, yeah. That was the only show we played before an audience outside of the radio and the te- television. Uh huh. So what? What? That what? Was the what, only what show wow. But I mean, but you did gain a level of popularity or at least confidence that there there was an audience out there for you, despite the fact that you only played three shows, which is incredible. Um, I mean, I imagine in Ivory Coast, it's not like the culture of today or anywhere where, you know, there's clubs and you're playing. I mean, I, 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 clearly that, that wasn't, that wasn't the thing, which is interesting and different. Um, so when did, when did that, what was that turning point where you're like, okay, let's make an album. And how did that even occur in the Ivory Coast? Okay. After that show in Boaké, we kept on doing radio shows and te- television shows. Yeah. And once there was um, a contest that came up at the national TV called Premier Chance. Mm-hmm. Premier Chance. Right. First chance. Yeah. Uh, the very first, uh, very first show was scheduled and uh, they wanted new artists to come in and, you know, perform. So before that, before you go perform, you had to be auditioned. So we went to that audition Mm-hmm. And the guy who was um, auditioning us, he said, where are you? Where's your band? He said, we say it's only two of us. We have our guitar. He said, okay, play. Let me hear what you have. Uh-huh. So we played just another play. We played two songs. He said, okay, I heard your music. You don't need a band. You're good like this. <laughs> nice. So we're going yeah. so to schedule you. And he went to his office and came back. And he said, okay, I'm sorry. We wanted to schedule you for this coming week, but it's not going to be possible for this, this so different reason. We're going to yeah. schedule you at a date. You know? uh-huh. The date that is suggested wasn't good for me because I had to go back to where I was teaching. Why? That 600 miles away from Abidjan, I could not go and come back on time for that show. It was scheduled. All right. So what so happened? I, I said, okay, I have to go to work. When I come back for the next school break, 
we schedule that. He said, okay, when you come back, we schedule that. Okay, were you so, not nervous like he was going to blow you off or something like that? I mean, holy shit, you had like a chance. So he had to replace that for that date, for that date. Yeah, yeah. The replacement was somebody who was right with us. He was waiting for us to finish our audition and it would uh, be auditioned. Right. So we didn't pay attention to this guy. And he's this, this guy that was scheduled for that show. And when he played, when he performed, he blew out the whole place. In a good way. His name was Alpha Blondie. I don't know if you heard of Alpha Blondie. No, no. Sorry. You can, you can Google Alpha Blondie. Um, He's the biggest star in the Ivory Coast. I'm going to now. Okay, so did that sting a little less because he was such a big star? He became, from that performance, he became the biggest star in the Ivory Coast. Oh, shit. That's what gave us, it gave us the sense that if Alpha Blondie, who was right there with us, he can become like this, so we can too. Yeah. See, see, that's yeah. how we started being serious about founding, founding, uh, you know, somebody to help us. So, so there was that three month period before you had to reschedule. That was that that could that 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 could have been like a disastrously nervous period for you. How did you handle that? Yeah, and the thing is, after his show, they did not schedule any more shows. Oh shit. This gets better or I don't know if this gets worse or better or what, Peter? Because it was, it was, he blew up the place, it was so big. So the success was so huge. They okay. didn't have time to reschedule things until later. So what happened? So, so, so what happened? Yeah, that, that show continued later. I think one, one year or a couple months later, but we didn't go back to that show. We didn't ah, okay. go back. Okay. We started looking for, uh, somebody to help us you know. to help you produce an album or to just to move exactly. you along yeah oh, to, okay. to, to produce an album because we think we thought that uh, going to that show was a waste of time if alpha blondie could make it and blow up like this we don't we don't need to go to that show we can skip that and find a producer <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay okay so you thought it was going to be a good thing but it ended up to like you just didn't you, you didn't care anymore yeah yeah, yeah, interesting. So you produced the album, and then that album got you a ton of traction in the in in Ivory Coast. You guys, you guys blew up at that point in the country. Is that is that true? Yes, mm -hmm. the album was produced by a guy called Teo. Mm -hmm. um, he had a you know great great means, good money. Yeah, so he put in a lot of a lot of effort in it. And the album was a great, great success. Wow. Throughout the wow. West yeah. And, and it's a delightful album. I, I, it's, it's just absolutely amazing. And at the time, so then you started to play big gigs. I understand you played mm -hmm. stadium, like you we became an anti-apartheid anthem at the time. It was played by the BBC as a soundtrack to Nelson Mandela's release from prison and, you know, we're about the, we're almost the same, eh? I mean, you know, like, 
wow, I remember all that. I mean, that that's like true and that's like present stuff for me almost, you know, the incredible, incredible stuff. What was the impact? And we're going to get to, this is just the beginning of the story. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to run out of time or anything, but wow. Like what was the impact on you at that time? Oh, great, great, great. It was way over my expectation. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> over my expectation, found ourselves, uh, you, know, you know, thrown in the arena. <laughs> yeah. Did you, you just know. go from, so the album went out, people loved it. Mm-hmm. You know, you started to gain traction with promoters or whomever that wanted to put shows together. Tell me about one big gig and what, like, that story. I just see that as a movie. I see this as a movie happening. Yeah. Um, the, f- the, the first, the very first show we played after the album was released was like, uh, I think a week or two weeks after the album was released was at the campus of um, Yopugon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The audience, were the, the, the student at the campus of uh, Yopugon. It was a very, very huge, huge show. Huge. Yeah. Like how big? Like a like a soccer stadium. No, it wasn't. It wasn't in a in an auditorium. In an auditorium, but really big for you at the time. Yeah, really big. We have right. never played. Oh yeah, we have played before before that in this kind of auditorium, but we were opening for um, another band. But this time in this in this campus, it was only us. So it was a uh, why wow, it was uh, full. After that, we toured. We toured. We played in a lot of stadiums. We played in before you know very important people. <laughs> you know, in the country president. or other. Yeah, in the country. Else. Wow, in you played country. for you played for the president. Yeah, we played for the president for I think three four times. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So that was late 80s time frame, so shortly mm-hmm, after yeah. the initial release of the album. Wow. And yeah, so between, between 1985 until 1988, yeah. Uh-huh. And so did you quit your job as as you did you quit your teaching job and just become a full-time musician? No. No. Shaking I your didn't head. quit. Okay. I didn't quit. Yeah, you love I mean, you love doing two jobs at once, three jobs at once, as we're going to find out. <laughs> yeah, um, I always thought that um, music is a passion to me, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I've always been careful because when I look around at, at that time, when I look around, I wasn't seeing musicians being able to live only on the on on what they were doing. Sure, right. You know? We still have that problem here in this country and around the world. Musicians are not able to live on their work. Yeah. The only one, the only one who emerged doing that was Alpha Blondie, like I told you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and you feel passionate about um, uh, helping musicians earn money and you were instrumental in creating unions for musicians or attempting to do that. Tell me a little back in, in the country around this time, tell me a little bit about that and your, your support of other musicians and trying to unionize musicians. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I found that um, musician were not being able to live on, on, on the music, on the music they were creating. Right. And uh, I educated myself. Ask a lot of questions, 
Yeah. Um, not and uh, learn about the copyright, you know, how the copyright works, uh, uh-huh. what it means. Not many people knew about that. Even a lot of high scholars in the university, they didn't even know about the scholarship. I mean, the, the uh, copyright. copyright. Yeah. How'd you know about it? I read about it. Yeah. <laughs> I read about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I read about it extensively. And uh-huh. I asked a question because we had a, we have we we still have one uh, bureau there in the office that takes care of the copyright. So I went there several times to talk with the the manager of this place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at some point, he was even asking once he asked me who is who is sending you? <laughs> Somebody sending you because I was asking too many questions. <laughs> yeah, they're all very paranoid. What is this? Are you with the the the, the Ivory Coast CIA or what, what's going on? Or FBI or IRS would be the thing, I guess, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So I learned a lot, and I found <laughs> I found that musicians were not even they were even close to. To, to know what is going on about, you know, the copyright. Yeah. How right, they can right. with the, the, the right. They don't know. Yeah, yeah. So how'd you help them? So I said to myself, and since I was thinking about going to the music business as my second occupation, mm-hmm. side teaching, I, I, yeah. didn't think, I didn't think that I would be, you know, a teacher all my life. No, <laughs> I wanted to do that for a certain time and then have my own business. So the right. music came as a, you know the, the the best choice for me. So I was thinking about doing uh, my music business. Yeah. So to me, for me to get involved totally in that music business, I have to learn the reality there. You know. Yeah. I have to see if I can survive. I can make good good profit in there. Right. So I found that the things that were that I needed to get fixed before I get into that business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. So exactly. exactly. So, so, so I say, okay, the only way to to come to go about that is to have a union. You know, to have a yeah. union. So how was that? Was that was that was that successful? Did you did you create unions there? Did you and and did you did you um did you find any resistance to that from I don't know, government promoters. You know, I, what, yeah, what was from, the from from government, not direct resistance. There's a lot of suspicion. You know, right, right. There thinking, yeah. There's so uh, much corruption that, and everything. Everyone, everyone's got an ulterior motive there. They, everyone's, everyone's main ulterior motive is that they believe everyone else has an ulterior motive. It just drives right. a political culture of just paranoia. Exactly. Yeah, since um, they they were thinking that uh, I was I was I was called in different offices like four or five times in different offices, different ministers you know, mm-hmm. to explain what's my goal, why, what, how, who, all that these questions, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> because they they were they were thinking that I was driven by some politician. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. That's what I'm Right, and right. They want to know. I had to explain. I had to explain, and find it. They let us go. They let us do it. Excellent. We set up the union. Nineteen ninety. Are there still? Is that union still intact? 
Yeah, I think I think it, it is intact, but um, the country has um, evolved so so fast and so I would say differently that um, I don't know if that union is still strong like as it was. Yeah, before. I mean the only constant in Africa and the political environment is that it's change is the only constant. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> roughly, roughly speaking. Um, that's amazing, Peter. Congratulations for that work. And 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 in 1995, you decided to come to the States and you landed in New York City. I was in New York City in 1995. I attended New York University for grad school initially. I started there in like 1988 through 1991 in political science and um, at NYU at the time. And um, so that was um, an interesting coincidence. But um, why'd you leave? Yeah, I left because, uh, like I said, uh, I was thinking about um, getting myself into totally into the music business. Yeah, and uh, the environment wasn't good. The yeah, environment, yeah, no doubt. Right, political it does affect the economy, the social everything. Yeah, know? so I have to pull out and go somewhere else. Yeah, and uh, learn. But still, if even if the environment was good. I would still need to go somewhere and learn more, you know, because I needed right. to learn more. I couldn't learn how the music business works. You know? Right. I still what have was the, to Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but, and from, from a social standpoint, I mean, you came to the United States, you landed in New York City. I mean, that's a tough place to land. I, I know I read something where you were like, oh, I've seen like the buildings and nice places in New York and now you're landing at Kennedy Airport and driving on the Van Wyck Expressway and you're like, oh, this is nothing like I imagined. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I remember landing in New York. I mean, I'd been to New York a couple times before I got there for NYU, but I mean, I was like, oh shit, this was a huge mistake. Yeah, yeah And I was but, just coming from California. What, yeah, what we see through the movies and the reality. Yeah. Yeah, it's not breakfast at Tiffany's. Let's put it that way for for everybody. Um, did you feel you came here for work and you and then you started you you came here for, to learn more about music business in general? Did you leave family behind or what did that look like from you from a family perspective? Yes, I, I came by myself. Came by myself uh -huh. when I settled. I started working as a you know I had a stable job. That's how I started bringing my family here. Oh, okay. Uh, what? So, you, what? Your parents or or, or friends, cousins? No, no. no. <laughs> your wife, children. Your children were born. I kind of did the math. I didn't know how old your kids were. Were they they were born in Ivory Coast? Yes. Ah, uh, okay. Ah, uh, boy, Ivory Coast. Yeah. So you came here. And, uh, you started, and you started work as a nurse. Where'd you Where'd you start working? When I first came, I did some little job in New York as a messenger. Simple, okay. in New York, and then I moved, I moved to to Delaware. I did security job. I did uh, warehouse. Yeah. And then I a teacher job. You know. Yeah. From teacher, I went to nursing. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what? And you felt established. How long did it take for you to send for your family? When I first came, um, in two thousand, I met a girl here. I met a girl here in two thousand. Uh -huh. We married. We married, and. In 2006, 2005, she started acting up, uh, acting up differently, you know. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, that happens. We finally divorced in 2007. 
So you had a wife in, in, in Ivory Coast. You were divorced before you left or during that time or, and then met someone else. But d- did you send for your kids over here? No, I didn't have a wife. I have a girlfriend. In Ivory Coast? I wasn't married. I wasn't ah, married. okay. Okay. Yeah, that was the question I should have asked first. Sorry about that. Just married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Which didn't work out. Um, and so Delaware in, in, in nursing, which I understand gives you, you felt like it gave you the opportunity to, to continue moving in the musical direction. And that's, is that what you, what did that look like for you being the musician, learning more about the business as you moved along as being an early immigrant into this country? Oh, it was, it wasn't easy, but I was determined. I was determined my my thing was I had to find uh, a job that allows me to be stable so I can still continue my dream. Yeah. My dream, my plan or my dream was I knew that it's going to take time. It's going to take time. Music cannot feed me right there. I need to work more. I need to learn more. I need to go. It's a long way to go. So I was patient. The other yeah. thing is... Uh, myself that's what i want to do if i don't try i'm a loser from start right well you already tried it i mean did did how much did it give you confidence that you had already been at the top quote unquote in ivory coast like you're like these people can't be any different like people love and 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 loved my music at one time you just needed to do it again yes yes so i was i was still writing songs and um trying to find the best way, the best people to release my music, you know, in the better, better condition that I had in the Ivory Coast. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And we've got to remember, let's remember that this was like, like, like late 90s. This was kind of like the beginning of the internet. I don't even know if YouTube was up. You weren't be able to just like, okay, I'm going to put up a song on the internet. No, couldn't do that at the time. It was no. just a completely different environment. Was was wasn't easy. was I had to find, you know, good studio musicians and, uh, you know, work together and release yeah. some. some were, you play, were you just like playing around with friends? Didn't Jess come here? Isn't he in San Francisco now? I think I understand. Yeah, he's in San Francisco. But when I was in New York, he was in uh, Philadelphia. Ah, okay. So did you guys get together once in a while? Yeah, once in a while. Yeah, yeah. I moved to Delaware. He stayed in Philadelphia for a little while, and then he went to Washington D.C. Uh, okay, and then so, and um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. So we we had to meet a couple of times, but no one could help the other. <laughs> I couldn't help him. He couldn't help me either. As far as music production, you know? right, right. You tried. I mean, you know, that's all you can do. But we, you um, you went to Nashville. Yeah. And- from Delaware, from Delaware, I got a uh, nurse job, nursing job. Offer. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. So the funny part, the, ironically, you went to Nashville for for nursing work. Mm-hmm. I mean, did yeah. you know where you were going? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. When okay, I- <laughs> good. Because I because I was reading some stuff, and you're like, you know, I went to Nashville, and I went down to you know Lower Broadway, and I'm like, oh, this is Music City. But come on, man, you knew what Nashville was, right? Yeah. Yeah, you had you had experience as a nurse, and yeah. so that you were able to get a job in Nashville as a nurse, knowing mm-hmm. what you were getting into and the opportunities that were possible there. Oh no, I knew, I knew about Nashville. 
yeah, yeah. Of Nashville when I was in that when I was in Ivory Coast, I knew of about course, that. of course, yeah. But until I got a job in Tennessee, I never dreamed of coming to Nashville. Yeah. So when I got this offer, and the lady told me that um, the nursing home is in Shelbyville, not far from Nashville, I said, Shelbyville, uh huh. This is an opportunity that I have to catch. Right on. So you jumped so on I that. Came, I came to Tennessee as a nurse, but in my mind, behind the nursing job, my, my goal was the music. Yeah, yeah. So what did that look like for you early on in Nashville? I mean, like, let's just set the stage. I mean, you just played at the Grand Ole Opry, and you opened for a show for Jason Isbell at the Ryman, and you're playing Newport Folk Festival this summer. I mean... <laughs> okay, let's it's, talk about. It. <laughs> it's all. It's all. Well, ever since I got that offer um, in Tennessee for nursing job, I said, "Yeah, there's something. Something is being open for me." You know. Mm-hmm. What was that initial offer? Yeah, so, so hold up, uh, Peter. When you moved to Nashville, how long did you kind of float around on the East Coast? And you know, you were in New York, then Delaware. You're working your way south to Nashville. How long? What what year did you move to Nashville? Yeah, I moved from Delaware to Tennessee in 2013. 2013. 13. Yeah, I wow. stayed in Memphisboro. I stayed in Memphisboro. Uh huh. Half an half an hour drive from Nashville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next year, 2014, I had a job in Nashville. Okay. So we moved to Nashville. Okay. I've been in Nashville since 2014. Okay. That's a lot of time and just working and, you know. Exactly. Yeah, from just... 2014, I started looking, finding people, you know, going to meetups, trying to find musicians, trying to find producers and all that. Until 2018, I got... Uh, this call, this email from Brian, is awesome tape from Africa. Yeah, yeah, the awesome tapes from Africa. Brian, um, I wrote it down here somewhere. Brian uh, Shivkovitz. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Who uncovered some tapes? Who uncovered the Garden album and like approached you guys and and reissued it in 2018. What was it like? Like, did you ever just want to turn to your colleagues in nursing? And go, I was a star in Ivory Coast. What was no, that never, like being, okay, I know you never did that. I was just joking. But I mean, like, what was your attitude? What was inside of you during that time? I mean, what, what, tell, tell, talk to me a little bit about your mindset, because that's a big gap from 2014, you went to Nashville, and you felt like you were able to really start moving along in that direction that you wanted to. How, how, how did you keep your head straight during that long interim from when you first moved to the States? And the time when you moved to Nashville and were able to um, begin to pursue what you felt that you really wanted to do and had done already yeah, I, before. I kept everything about music quiet, secret, just for me to make a surprise if I succeeded, you know. Right. I was walking around, you know, behind the scene, as if I can talk like that. Yeah. But my fellow nurses, they didn't know that I was a musician. I had a pass, all that. They didn't know. So to me, it was a, the better way to make them surprise, you know, a happy surprise if they found out one day that I have, you know, uh, I'm releasing something interesting. You know? Yeah. That's why I kept Wait. it. 
have um i mean have some of your former colleagues from your past life in nursing in new york and in in delaware or even in, in now today have they approached you and said oh my god or have you heard from your you must have had friends that you never told what was going on yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i had to to tell them when uh when we started touring lately i think a couple months ago we started uh -huh. touring the touring was more frequent that I had to tell my my administrator, the administrator of my facility, and right. the, the scheduler who does the schedule. I had to tell them why I need to, to be out. <laughs> I'm frequent. going on the road with Jason Isbell. I yeah. need time off. I mean, and, you know, a lot a lot of musicians do that. That's the situation for a lot of musicians. It's just it come it it, it um it's it's just extraordinarily stri striking in the way that it's occurred with you, obviously. Um. So Brian, um, how did you did did he approach you? How did he find you? What did that look like? And and yeah, and by the way, just to kind of. When that when Garden was re-released in 2018, you were, it was reviewed in Pitchfork and Rolling Stone incredibly positively, you know. So, congratulations on that. That's that's amazing, and and we'll get to come back to me, which was just released on on May 5th and is amazing as Allison Russell on it and Jess was on it as well. Um, but how did did Brian approach you, or how did that how did that happen? Yeah, I received an email from him. Received uh, okay. Saying that he was interested in, in uh, bringing that uh, album back on the market. In so the he US. tracked you down. Yeah. So I said, okay. So I had to ask him what was his plan, all that. And uh, I said, okay, let's talk. Let's have a three-way conversation. I'm mm -hmm. going to inform this. And then yeah. we make a decision. So we had that conversation and we got a deal. We got a deal there. I knew that... Um, bringing that album on the market here in the US is gonna make people pay more attention to to me. I knew that. Of course, you know? yeah, for sure. So, and that's what happened. In a good way. Um, what, so did you start to, tell me a little bit about when that album, when you were reviewed in Pitchfork and Rolling Stone and, um, what what then occurred with you? What did that progression look like? Did you start to play shows? Were you doing some in studios? Like, what did that kind of look like? Yeah, when the, when the album came out in the US here, we started touring because I requested that as part of the deal. Yeah, okay. We want with the album again. Okay. I don't see how much money I can make out of that. That's not what I'm interested in. Yeah, I'm send me on tour. Exactly. Because <laughs> exactly. you were a smart music business guy. You knew exactly what was going on, and you were an older individual, had like a year, years and years of experience. So we put on tours, and we toured a lot. And uh, as we were going, um, the music, the album was making its way on the, you know, through the mm -hmm. Asian community, you know. Yeah. Um, so, was, was that as early as 20? Wait, so... 2018. I, I, that was 2018. But you been, had you been gigging before? Um, no. No. Okay. All right. When you got in front of audiences for early on after the after the album after Garden had been re released, what was that like for you? What was the impact of? Was it a positive response from the audience? What did it do for you? How did it? Um, 
you know, what impact did that did that have on you? Positive, negative, indifferent? What did that look like? No, it was it was positive. It was positive. If I said negative, I would be. Um, I, no, I can't. Yeah, say that. yeah, sure, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're the, yeah, it drew it drew people attention to me in Nashville. Yeah, Nashville. that's how Kevin approached me. That's how Jay still knew that I was a musician. You know? Right. Even though if I don't make money out of it, even if the you know the outer public you know didn't know about it because of you know, not strong promotion or that, at least the musician community knew about me. You know, from this. Yeah, time. and that and that so that must have been incredibly gratifying for you. Did you have like flashbacks of playing in Ivory Coast again, and what did that? Like, what was going through your head? What was, I was interested in having more, having, you know, the opportunity to release new works. Yeah, right. That was my goal. You know? Yeah. Good transition. So come back to me. So was, were those, when did you write those songs that, that was just released um, just less than a month ago? Uh, most of the songs are old. The... The newest is um, Kavudu, uh-huh. which I wrote, I wrote, I wrote, I think, 2019, 2020. I think yeah, it was yeah. A, yeah, I the like COVID. that one. That was the, the, um, the anti-war song with Jess. And before that, uh, Birds Go Die Out of Sight, I wrote that, I think, around 2017. Mm-hmm. Everything else way back from the past. And how'd you get Alison Russell involved in that song? Uh, we recorded the song in the studio, and then we sent her the, the 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 music, and she found out how to put in a voice in there. Yeah, it sounded wonderful. It sounded wonderful. And Jason Isbell took you on tour for a couple shows, and you got to open a show at the Ryman. And his he has um, said some in, some incredible things about you. You know, he 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 praised you for being a natural performer and said that when you're on stage, your presence is of someone that you know is a legendary singer. Um, and he's quite, he's incredibly well-known. I, I love Jason Isbell. I love what he says and, and, and his music. And, um, um, you know, he talked about you being incredibly comfortable in front of a crowd. And, I, and, and um, um, what, what, what impact did that have on you being taken out on tour and being in front of those audiences? I think of, uh... Uh, what I can say is uh, I thank Jason a lot. I just thank him because um, he's, he's helping me take advantage of his audience. Yeah, yeah. I don't have an audience yet, and uh, he's putting me you know, in front of his audience, giving me that chance to make my music known, and uh, I can't be so grateful. I can't be, I can't be grateful enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's been some of the... Um... What's it been like to put "Come Back to Me" out into the world now that you're uh, that it's uh, that it's that it's out there? It's just a dream come true, dream come true, and uh, it's a new start, second chance, like second act, like you said. Second act. I'm not going to say second chance anymore. I'm going to say second act. But the first act was a success. It was just, it was just an extraordinarily long intermission, Peter. Thank you. <laughs> 
Um, and you were at uh, South by Southwest, and you played Luck Reunion as well. I mean, did you get a chance to meet Willie while you were there? Uh, no, I didn't meet him, but I saw him performing. It yeah, I saw that. I was there. I saw that uh, the performance at the end of the day, at the like, like at night. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was it was um, uh, spectacular. But I'll see your set at Newport Folk. I'll, I'll I'll see you at Newport Folk. What's that? That impact of being at Newport Folk. What does that mean to you? Tell me. Yeah, it means a lot. It means a lot, and uh, it's it's giving me more opportunities to make my music known and uh, meet more people. And grow my, you know, my music business. Yeah. Grow are my you the pro- yeah. Wh- how are you? How are you moving forward from a business perspective? Uh, right now I'm focusing on uh, my own music, my own music, mm-hmm. and growing the audience, growing the, uh, you know, the the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my knowledge about the business, the business. And then the next step's gonna come later. But yeah. from there, I need to. Um, as, as you've moved along and your music is becoming known in this country and you're becoming known as a performer, what are some reactions? Have there been some fan reactions that have surprised you or gratified you in some way? Tell me a little bit about that from so fans. Far, so far, it's been, it's been only very, very nice, nice mm-hmm. reactions. Yeah. Nice. Was there anything that stands out? What do people come and approach you after a show or um, tell me about some interactions that you've had and what you gain from, from knowing that there are people out there in this country that are finally getting to know your music. Yeah. When people come to me after the show and they say, Oh, we love this music. Uh, we, we coming. Uh, it's a new music, new style of music to us. I say, I'm happy. That's what I wanted. <laughs> That's what I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to bring something different in the music field in Nashville. Yeah. And when they say that, I'm happy. I, I think I'm, I'm on the way. <laughs> I'm on the right way. It must <laughs> be incredibly gratifying for you after so long. Really, it is. Yeah, really. yeah. And I also love just talking about the music itself. And um, apart from your just absolutely amazing and inspiring story, you've talked about how music is the connection and to be able to, like, I, I will mention, come back to me, the, the, your, the, the recently released album has, like, what is it, correct me if I'm wrong, four songs in French, four songs in English, and two in, your, in the native language. Um, uh, I forget what the, what, what's the, 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 the language you grew up speaking. Um, and that that impact um, of no matter what language it is, it's always the music that makes the 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 connection. Um, and I took that to mean, you know, for example, I you know I listen to these songs in French, and the, the music is compelling and and, and moves me. Um, what t- tell me about that kind of making that music connection and, and singing in, in in a variety of different languages, and what kind of impact you've had on others to do that? Okay, first of all, the, I'm singing different different languages because I, I grew up in this kind of you know culture you know my country is um a french speaking country uh-huh. and of course we speak french but we have our african languages and we are open the africans is one of the countries that are more open to the outside to the foreign cultures yeah so learn English or that and I knew I know from uh, you know 
from everything that um, the English language is the the most most language that is the most spread language in the world. Mm-hmm. My goal is to reach the maximum people around the world through my music. Yeah. So English language is the best vehicle for that. <laughs> have, yeah. On, on that note, have you got some feedback as to this album being distributed in Europe and in also other Francophone countries? Yeah, I think that's what we're working on now. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah how, I, do, I, I, how do you do that? Like again, approach radio stations or how does that, how does that occur? Yeah, we, we started working on that and uh, I was recently, I was in London I was in London for a show with the uh, uh, Gypsy King at the Royal Royal uh, Albert Hall. Uh-huh. Oh, nice. So the purpose is to take that music to England. And the next the next step, I was in Paris also for some radio, um, radio interviews. Uh-huh. So the goal is to take the music also to France and from there, you know, reach the other countries. I had some interviews with some some magazine in Germany uh-huh. and another country. So we're working on that right now, trying to take that music you know, almost right. Um, so you're and you're doing some festivals coming up, especially um, Newport Folk is really on my radar because I'll be I'll be there and doing some live interviews as as well there for Roadcase. But um, what else is kind of on the horizon for you in terms of uh, of touring? Will you be? Is there there anything like that on the um, uh, in the future for you? Near future? Yeah, next week we'll be going to uh, record the Tiny Desk. The NPR. Fantastic, man. Congratulations. That's so exciting. I had Bob Boylan on the show to talk to him about Tiny Desk. Uh, that was like a year and a half ago. But wow, that's great, man. Congratulations. That's 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 just fucking awesome. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah you're going to crush that. Oh, my God. That's going to be fantastic. I'm super psyched to hear that, man. That's great. Uh, what else? Touring? Going out? What's your, what's your, what's your view on that and how... Um, yeah, yeah. After 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 that, we'll be going to Williamsburg, um, opening for Kebmo. Ah, okay. Uh huh. Kebmo. And then we we'll go be going to uh, Red Red Roots Wings in Solon. Sorry, say that again. Red Roots Wing. Okay, where's that? Solon, Virginia, Virginia. Okay, that's a festival. That's a festival. Okay, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, and then we have uh, another opening for Jason Isbell in Ann Arbor in Michigan. Oh, in Ann Arbor. Okay, excellent. Fantastic. You must be super psyched, Peter. Oh, man, I want more. (laughs) Come on, come on. It's so fantastic, (laughs) man. Uh, Such an amazing story, and you are a true, you're a true inspiration, my friend. Oh, thank you, man. <laughs> yeah, thank you. yeah. Um, as you wrote in um, in your song, On My Own Way, you're on my own way, and I came a long way, is what you said. And it, no truer words have been spoken. I mean, it's just, it's it's an inspiration, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks so much for being here, Peter, and sharing your story and indulging me with uh, having you dig back deep down into the past and tying everything together. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. It was a pleasure. 
Oh, the pleasure was all mine, Peter. Thank you so much for doing what you do and continued success. I hope to catch up with you at Newport so I can give you a big hug. Thank you. All right. (laughs) Cheers, brother. Best of luck to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks. Cheers. Okay, that was me talking to the amazing and inspirational Peter One. Uh, As you can tell from that interview, I really love his story. It's just so beautiful and so intriguing. And just his kind of calm demeanor of perseverance really comes through. Uh, Again, his most recent album, Come Back to Me on Verve Records, was released on May 5th. Please go and listen to that one. It's really really inspiring, really amazing and multilingual as well. So maybe everyone can learn a little bit of French, but the, um, but the feel really, really comes through on that album. It's just absolutely wonderful, especially when you know, uh, his story and what he's been through and what he's gone through to get to this point. And, uh, just a couple details from the interview, uh, apart from his amazing personal story that we got a lot out of, um, the audition story of, showing up for an audition for sort of being on a major show in, um, in Ivory Coast, uh, Premier Chance, I think he called it, and uh, that basically uh, they decided not to do that interview, uh, that, that audition for uh, one reason or another, but the one who did step in got really big after that show. And despite the fact that they skipped that audition, Peter really got a lot of inspiration from knowing that uh, they got that far in that audition process. So again, uh, that level of perseverance and true belief in what you can achieve and having a real strong and incredibly just unshakable belief in himself. Um, and uh, when Peter blew up, you know, he that was way over his expectations, you know, and then he's playing for the president of Ivory Coast and playing at stadiums, as you heard, is just absolutely amazing. I really enjoyed hearing how he got involved in the music business in Africa, which was really informative as to how sort of things work from a bureaucratic perspective uh, in a um, developing country such as Ivory Coast and how he sort of ran up against government resistance asking him like, what are you doing? What is this kind of union that you're trying to establish? What's licensing? Why are you trying to get money for uh, musicians? And uh, so that was pretty eye-opening as to how things occur in that country and elsewhere. Um, But, you know, he just always had that stable and realistic mindset You know, it's also an immigrant story coming to America in the mid 90s and landing in New York. And I really related to that because that's about the time that I was living in New York as well. Um, You know, and, you know, he said now that it's a dream come true, essentially opening for Jason Isbell playing at Grand Ole Opry. He'll be at Newport Folk this summer and he'll even reveal to us that he's going to be doing a tiny desk as well, which is really, really exciting. Every artist has a story, you know, but Peter's. Quest was really kind of a quasi American dream with those implications, although I kind of hesitate to use that descriptor because it's really so complicated and overarching, but really coming to this country and uh, achieving your goals and having the ability to do that. Um, Peter had a lot of foresight uh, moving to Nashville, knowing the talent that he has, and he was really um, fortunate to have connected with um, with the Awesome Tates of Africa that re-released his album in 
his initial album in 2018. Just an amazing story. Thanks so much to all for being here for this special episode with Peter One. I'm so glad that you were along for this one. And I want to send a really special thank you and shout out to the amazing Peter One for being here on this episode of Road Case. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at roadcasepod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road.